You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's now time for our main event. Take a trip back in time to the golden era of the wrestling world with your host, Chris Tetrold Blaine. Welcome to Once Upon a Turnbuckle. Welcome to a, another very special edition of Once Upon a Turnbuckle. And I'm thrilled to say that I am now kicking off another little mini spotlight series uh, where I get to delve into um, another gem in the British wrestling industry at the moment with something a little closer to home now. Um, and I'm thrilled for the first episode to welcome along not only one of the, the top stars, but also one of the co-directors of Reach Wrestling and a third of the House of Cards, the man himself, Jason King. How are you doing, mate? How Very good, doing? thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad, thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming along. This is, uh, it's it's something that I've been looking forward to doing. Thankfully, we're getting to do it a little bit more ahead of time than I planned. Um, I, uh, I I got to experience Reach Wrestling in person for myself recently um, at, at one of your shows. Was it was, it was. And I was, I was blown away. Really, it was it was a fantastic night. Um, you know, the roster was really strong. Um, so I'm really the first reach show, was it? It was, yeah, yeah. Because I um I spoke to Joel Redman earlier in the year, and um sort of he he mentioned in in that interview about reach, and I must admit, my head had been in the sand for a few years really since um since my last wrestling show, which was Pro Wrestling Pride down here um uh, I, yeah I, yeah <laughs> i hadn't really explored anything i hadn't really kept up with it so you know off the back of that i i found out about you guys um i had echo read along as well and and knew that after that i needed to get out there and actually experience it and you know it was it was top notch and i'm you know, not, not just saying that it was fantastic so uh, oh, looking forward to delving into more behind you know reach wrestling itself but really to start with yourself winding it right back to the beginning if we can um where did your relationship with wrestling start in particular sort of when did you first discover it for yourself so i think as a kid right we uh i just love sport me and my brother we're just big sport fans so anything sport related we love and uh one day my dad brings home like a vhs now, I don't know how old you are, but if it's, it's weird. Yeah. I see VHS to some of the guys that are training school now, and they look at me like, what the fuck is he no, talking about? So no, 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 I grew up with them. My room was full yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, so brought home like a video VHS, and uh, the main event was WrestleMania uh, 12, and it's the main yes. event Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, right? Yeah. And uh, I, most sports I enjoyed as a kid, but with wrestling, something different happened. I was just like, I could miss a football match or a game of cricket or a game of golf and it wasn't the worst thing in the world mm. like I'd watch it if I could but if I missed it it wasn't going to kill me but 
I was sat in front of the TV for three hours watching this this WrestleMania show, not knowing what WrestleMania was, not right. really knowing what wrestling was, but yeah. just blown away by the lights and yeah. these these massive men, these huge characters, right? Like, I mean, football had like Eric Cantona, right? He's like one character, but yeah. everybody else was a sportsman. This thing had, you know, 50 different, like larger than life, crazy ass men that were appeared to be beating the shit out of each other, right? And, yeah. uh, and you get main event of Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and where I'm from, this is going to sound really stupid, but growing up, this is how it was. Men didn't have long hair. A long-haired okay. man was like a, you know, a long-haired man was basically, was homosexual. I'm just going to yeah. be straight up, right? Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. where I grew up. Now, that's narrow-minded in today's world, but that's this was 30 years ago we're talking. Yeah. So a long-haired man was, was, was you know, I realize how stupid that sounds now. No, Some no, people hear that yeah. and say that. Yeah, yeah, I'm you can't say that, but that's what it was 30 years ago, right? Yeah. So Bret Hart comes down to the ring, long black hair, these sunglasses indoors, which blows my mind as a kid. Why has he got sunglasses on? <laughs> and he's wearing pink as well. And I'm like, there's a grown ass man with long hair wearing real, pink. Real men wear pink. Well, yeah, but see, I don't know that four years old or five years, whatever I was at the time, right? But then he, um, then, of course, he's kicking everybody's ass, or he's kicking Shawn Michaels' ass. And I'm just, like, it, yeah. it was such, a, like, a mind trip for a kid. Like, yeah. I just could not take my eyes off the TV. Because I, you watch this wrestling, and I'm like, okay, football's good, and darts, and golf, and cricket, but rugby, but nothing is like this. Yeah. This thing is a whole new world. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, a whole, like, grown, and they're all massive. All these humongous men beating yeah. the shit out of each other. And I just think my mind as a kid was just blown away. It's just too much to understand, to take yeah. in. As soon as I'd seen one event, I'm telling my dad, said, Dada, I've got to see this. What is this? I need more of this wrestling. And he's yeah. laughing, you know, you know what that wrestling is, don't you, but it's all fake. <laughs> I'm looking at my dad in the eye thinking he's trying to trick me. He's tricking me. There's no way that that stuff, the way they kick each other, the punches. I'm like, I, I'm have... thinking to myself. So you, you, had know, that from, like, you had that from day one, you know, that was, took me about four or five but, years but, for anyone to say that to me. But yeah. I didn't believe him. I didn't yeah. believe him. I thought he's winding me up. My yeah. dad's a bit of a joker. So I just assume he's winding me up. I'm, I'm looking at my dad, five foot six, and, you know, not the greatest looking athlete in the world at this stage of his life. And I'm looking at Brow Art with the long black hair and the pink and black. And I'm going, ah, my dad's jealous, isn't he? And I get it. <laughs> I'm thinking he's jealous because these guys is in the ring. Great. As far as I'm concerned, best looking athletes in the world. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's jealous because they're telling me it's fake. I'm watching that match going, oh, goodness, but what are you talking about? We ain't got a clue, Dad. Yeah. I'm thinking I know it all, you know? It took yeah. me probably 10 years, maybe eight years before I even realised people started saying, you understand, when I was in the high school, middle school, whatever it was, yeah, yeah, but it's not real. Uh, once I started to hear that more and more, I was like, it, again, another mind blow for me. I was like, how can... I didn't understand. I was just like... I, how can this be what people are saying it is? Yeah. That's probably what got me into the business was the understanding of what we do. Mm -hmm. As I got older and more, you know, a bit wiser, I was like, now I'm even more fascinated. Yeah. You know, how they do this stuff. Fascinating yeah. to me. Yeah, and that's what's kept me. I, I've, I've gone through spells over the years where there was a big gap of about 10 or 15 years where I didn't keep up with wrestling at all. I did kind of walk away from it. Other things happened, but it's always been there. And I think... As you get older, you appreciate it more. I've never been in the ring. I've done, I've not done anything, you know, physically involved in it. But it's you you, you get interested in the inner workings of it because there's a hell of a job that goes on behind the scenes. Oh, yes. So, so about WrestleMania 12, um, I've said on this a few times before. That is my favourite match ever. Was it really? Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. I was mm. I was a massive fan of both at the time, and that yep. really cemented 
you know that whole boyhood dream angle they had going on with that i thought was was very magic magic so yeah it's it's very good storytelling they Mm. they just know how to they just the wwe are the best in the world like i know we could go in for hours about who likes what company and everything but (laughs) if we look at the facts i think the wwe are the best in the world but what we do and i know you're going to get people hear this and be like this idiot he should be watching AEW, new or whatever they like Mm. we just opinions aside the facts really as a business and as, as, a, as a product there's nothing better that, that they stand up as a brand against any other brand in the world it's not just sport but entertainment you know it's a global yeah. brand and when they do it right things like you say the yeah. Shawn Michaels Bret Hart stuff or the you know the Undertaker uh, you know you look at these characters there's nothing in the world quite like what they bring you we've yeah. all got memories as a kid of somebody you know that's uh, like a character we've, we've either fallen in love with or we've hated heels that you hate but you, as you get older you realize oh he's not so bad oh i, I really hate well, they were kid. just really good at that you know there you go right yeah that's that it. it you hated them so yeah, job done job done i don't know if you ever um listened to jeff jarrett's got a podcast it's come out like recently i i haven't i must admit i've never listened to it he's he's, oh. he's one of those that i did follow him for a little bit but i uh no i haven't i haven't he, he's a good example right of a guy where i always just thought oh, he's a jackass you know always growing up or whatever oh jeff is a jackass he's a complete but i've been listening to his podcast and it's blown my mind some of the things that he said about his time in WWE and wcw and tna and yeah you've realized he's he's a third generation promoter his grandma was a promoter his father was a promoter and you you listen to some of the decisions he made you start to realize uh, you weren't a bad guy at all. No, like, you're no. just a really good heel. Because yeah, I just exactly. assumed, I always assume this guy's it. Even as a grown man, I was like, ah, he's a dickhead. This guy. Yeah. Then you hear him talk, and you hear him talking. He explains his decisions on his podcast, and you sort of realise this yeah. is a really smart he's man. Switched that understands our business. Mm-hmm. Very switched on, and just played his role kind of perfectly. Really. Yeah. But <laughs> but people like me were like, ah, yeah, I. He got a bad rep, I think, when he when he went to WCW and then they were putting a belt on him all the time and then he had TNA where he was doing it to himself and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, I think people just started hating on him just because of who he was. But yeah, I, I, I got to meet him when he was down in Exeter um, nice. a few years ago. And, you know, what I saw of him, he's, he's a lovely guy, you know. Yeah. It's, um, I've, I've, yeah, yeah, he's just, he's very, very, I think the smartest minds some of the smartest minds do end up being the best heels. I mean, Paul Heyman, yeah. I think, is way up there yeah. for me as well. So, anyway. I think it's a little bit harder to be a heel. I think it takes a little bit more. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. So I think, you, yeah. Those that understand the bit better tend to flourish in that room a little more. Mm. And obviously, uh, we'll, we'll get to sort of where you are as a performer at the moment, uh, you know, in, in a little bit. But what I've seen of you as well, your persona is is quite... Um, it's almost like an old, old school heel kind of feel to it you know and mm. it's, it's it's you're not you're not outlandish with it or anything you just you're just somebody that people will want to hate not being funny mm. with the greatest of respect no, i think um, you're spot I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear it because that means i'll do my job yeah because the reality of the situation is like especially in reach it's a look i wouldn't say it's easier for me but it's not a difficult story to tell mm. if i'm the boss which I am, they all know I own reach and I keep making decisions that benefit me or, or the guys and girls that team with me and I'm putting it to the baby faces, the good guys all the time and, and then I come out usually dressed not to toot my own horn but usually dressed better than most other people come to our shows and I'm yeah. smug too, you know I'm, I can be smug so so I can see where they're looking at me going this guy's a motherfucker and then they see me on a post 
they see me on a poster, they see me in the main event, and I'm like, okay, well, what are you going to do? Boo me? You're going to stop coming to the show? No, because you know you're going to want to see me get my ass kicked. So I look at those heels of of the yesteryear. Today's heels are a little bit different, but a good character heel is somebody that that can really draw the people in, right? And, and like you say, make it easy to dislike. Well, it's not that difficult to dislike me when I get talking. You know, like I'm, I, I come, I know I come across a little bit arrogant, a little bit cocky, and and, and smug. But I am who I am. You know what I mean? There's people that love me for me. There's people that don't like me, but. If I know that they're not going to like me just by the way I dress and the way I talk, I'm always turning it up to 10 and yeah, let's see what happens. Right. Let's sell tickets, you know what I mean? Is there anyone in particular that you grew up watching that you've drawn inspiration from in, you know, how you portray yourself in the ring? I watched uh, Nick Bockwinkle. And was a really good, he was a good champion. So I never got to see Buddy Rogers, but I was told that he was pretty good. But I watched Nick Bockwinkle and I watched a lot of Ric Flair. And a lot of what I watched Ric Flair do was fascinating to me because the way he, I hear one of the dumbest fucking things, I, I hope you don't mind, I swear. No, go ahead. Dog, <laughs> it's but it's, I can't pretend, it's just going to come out. So so um, Ric Flair, I would hear, and one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in wrestling is people say, ah, oh, Flair has the same match all the time. I think that's really stupid. It's a really narrow-minded comment to make. Ric Flair was the world champion when being a world champion meant something. And the world champion traveled the world, which is what he did. I think his, his best story is one one month he did something like 25 days out of 30 and he'd wrestle for an hour every night. And he went all around the world. You know, he went, you know, um, to the Carolinas to wrestle in America. And then, of course, it would be like uh, go to Mexico. Then he'd fly over to Japan, come back to America, he'd go to Europe and... He did that, you know, that was when he was the world champion. He was the real world champion. And I think I watch his matches and the fact he could wrestle for an hour a night, you know, two weeks in a row, no nights off. Mm. And the fact that he could have matches that were entertaining, that most importantly, and this is what a lot of people forget, is still drew the people in, still mm. drew fans in to watch him. Fans wanted to pay to see this man lose. That constantly yeah. wanted to see this guy get his ass kicked. And what is a lost art in our business is the understanding that you're not doing it for each other. You know, I'm not trying to get Jason King or everyone watch Jason do Jason King stuff. I've got to listen to those people yeah. that are paid to see me. And Sam Rick Flair at the same match is like saying uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, wasn't all that popular. It was just stupid. It's just really yeah. stupid. It's an uneducated comment. Here's a guy that could be world champion 16 times across three different companies mm -hmm. and was able to travel the entire globe for years on end, the entire globe considered by everybody in the business the best ever mm. i mean what more do you want you know exactly you yeah I, it's it's not just one man's opinion is it you know this is this is something I mean, that's no. like 30 40 years uh, worth uh, yeah and i'd watch his style and just kind of see certain sequences he'd do and i thought well i can probably tailor that a little bit and tailor that a little bit and I know how I talk and how I carry mm. myself. And, and I thought, well, I'm pretty sure I can. And I'd watch Nick Bockwinkle, some of his promos. He'd say these ridiculously long words and he'd say things that didn't make any sense, but no mm. one understood him anyway. He said, a nice suit and a title belt. And everyone was like, oh, dickhead. Like, and I thought, <laughs> okay, we can put some of that in there. And I watched Jerry Lawler, who, yeah. I mean, wrestling Jerry Lawler for an hour would be like, I mean, that guy, he, he's a master. People will sleep on Jerry Lawler, not knowing how good he is. Yeah. If you really understand that. I think if you watch Jerry Lawler, you'll see just how talented that guy is. He could, he made things really mean something in a time when, again, selling meant something. Yeah. What, what it means to sell. He, he, he just, he is a master. So I'd watch some of his movements, the way he yeah. would move around the ring. And I was like, I can try some of that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not Jerry Lawler, but I would watch him say, yeah, I reckon I can do some of that stuff. Cool. So those were the kind of guys, good heels. That's, I, would watch that's good. I mean, that's, again, that's when 
the the it was still an art form. You, you're right. I, again, I've said it many times myself. There has been this lull in the middle where several key things seem to have fallen away in the industry, and it's nice to see some of them come back. Um, I uh, Jerry Lawler was one actually. You just mentioned him. I I was one of those that grew up in an era where when he was in the WWF, he was more of a, a comedy. Yes. value you know and i it wasn't until later that i went back and i realized just how you know, people kept on about how good he was and i was like he's rubbish you know he's gonna forget people that, like uh, yeah, the clown yeah. and whatever you know and it's yeah. You, yeah. you you have to go back to before he was there. Yeah. yeah yeah how many people went through the wwf and kind of their careers sort of you know their legacies almost took a dip because of what i think so them. i think for a lot of guys that came through i think it was i think with the wwe it's what it looks like to me is it's very Vince, I've never met Vince McMahon but it feels very like he's the boss clearly he runs the company mm. and it feels very much like if it's not Vince's idea then it doesn't count That's, there's yeah. there's a lot of this feeling that uh, you watch wrestlers that come through that have been big stars elsewhere you'll see him change their name or he'll change their their something just something enough mm. so that it's like well WWE owns this now which is smart yeah. business not yep. what fans want to hear because they want to they want to say ah oh, the old bastard Vince McMahon ain't got it uh, yeah. he don't know what he's doing I hear that all the time he's making money off what he creates so if you look at how he changed Dusty Rhodes when he came in yeah. Dusty Rhodes is perfectly fine but he had to change Dusty Rhodes or Jerry Lawler was perfectly fine making money in Memphis making good money in Memphis mm. but he has to bring him in and make him a you know a joke character and everything mm. there's a lot of guys in our closer to this era that you see that will come in and they'll change their name or something about them and it's so that they can own it it's, it's a business yeah. you know it's so that they can say this was WWE created this was not created elsewhere by anybody else it's irrelevant what you've done before in he calls it the WWE universe yeah. I mean it's really very like it's all the size of all there you know yeah it's a different world isn't it you just step in yeah there and, and, and it's and it's his world yeah. it's that man he's a who's made more money uh, pro wrestling than anybody that's ever walked God's green earth times mm. by about five and people still to this day say you don't know what he's doing and like, when I hear that I'm just like come on like you're, you're not quite with it I can't, well he, uh, <laughs> I, I, I have used the term I think some of the decisions which are flying around lately you know I, I've called him senile probably you know the um no have you just just, just just literally i mean i can't think exactly what it was it came up in one conversation that i was having with someone and i i could just see it going too much in another direction i thought this isn't the vince mcmahon this isn't the wwf i grew up with obviously very biased to a particular era you know i don't like change i suppose um it fits the generation the but each to their own that's it you know i i think it's it, they've got healthy competition back again which he hasn't had for about 20 years you know um you think uh aw a competition for wwe i think it's the most they've had since certainly since wcw i feel um i don't know it might not be a bit like tna i suppose impact they were knocking on the door back along and then it didn't really last you know they lost momentum and whatever it could end like that i don't know i think at the moment it's 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 healthier competition than i've seen for a long time mm. so it's enough to probably make it's probably enough to make someone in WWE go oh yeah that's, you know you can't ignore what's going on over no. there you create this WWE world right this WWE universe and all there is is WWE mm. but i think realistically you, you kind of can't ignore it like yeah but it's exactly. definitely there. you know yeah. what I mean? The AEW's kind of got that feel about it, right? People, they've got people have got a choice now. I mean, they've had, they have yeah. had, but you've always known the WWE was like way, way ahead, and what they were doing was still way ahead. 
my opinion, I feel that they've stalled a little bit and AEW's gathered steam and it's probably getting a little bit, you know, a little bit tetchy. Might not last, but it's fun. So <laughs> a lot of money. Guy that owns yeah. the company, so he's got he's got deep pockets, isn't he? So yeah, exactly. And that's that's the one argument I think that that could be their undoing is is a bit like the Premier League football clubs that just throw money at it. Yeah, success doesn't last. Um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see, but it's good for now. So, mm. um, going back then to obviously, um, back when you first discovered wrestling, then when was it that you seriously started to think for yourself, I want to get in and do this myself, and sort of where did your journey as a as a wrestler start? I think it was probably. I was about 18, and it was in 2006. I just started lifting weights because I told myself, I was like, okay, all these wrestlers are massive, and I wasn't. I was like 10 stone. So I just thought, okay, I need to... I wasn't one of these, like, bodybuilder guys because I was insecure or anything like that. Mm. I wasn't even that good an athlete. I was just someone that was like, okay, well, I suppose you got to get bigger, right? And I was like, I don't even know how to get... What, what was it get bigger even mean? But like most people, I went out and bought some muscle and fitness magazines and flex magazines, and, and I was became a fan of bodybuilding. was like, okay, it's time for me to, to lift some weights, right? So I had a friend who was a bodybuilder, so he helped me out in the beginning. And uh, I was just like, okay, if I'm going to one day do this wrestling, then I told myself, at least be ready for when, for when you find... However you break in, I had no idea. We break into a wrestling squad. I didn't even know British wrestling was a thing. I had no idea. Right. Um, so I started going to the gym, and, and as luck would have it, I saw something called um, Channel 427, which was the Total Wrestling Channel, it was called, on Sky. I found that, and it had everything. It had, uh, oh, God, um, a 1PW they were called, a TNA, it had Ring of Honor, it had CZW, it had uh, FWA, it had oh. uh, IPW, uh, Irish Whip Wrestling, all these different companies. And I was just suddenly like, wait a minute. There's wrestling in the UK. They were like, and it had like had like promos on the page for like Doug Williams, and oh. Johnny Storm, and Jody Fleisch. And I was just like, wow, like there are like to me, Johnny Storm, Jody Fleisch, Doug Williams, they're as big as stars Triple H. Because I was just like the wrestlers on TV. Yeah. You know, I didn't know like what the levels of success were. I was yeah, just like, yeah. wow, wrestling on TV. So then I went searching for. I typed in like British wrestling school uh, in England, and I think we got NWA Hammerlock was around at the time, but that was like. Somewhere up country, I, I can't Kent, remember I my think, friend. Yeah, I think well, I, I, remember, I, I remember I, I saw way back, yeah, they were advertised, yeah. and that was in Kent. It was still miles go. away from me, so yeah. For sure, right? I was living in Exeter at the time, so mm. Kent may as well have been New Zealand, because <laughs> I didn't drive at that point, so I didn't know what, you know, I couldn't have got to Kent, even if I tried. But no. So then I was able to find a local school in a place called Brixham, which is effectively, I don't know, 20 miles down the road. Mm -hmm. So me and two friends, we paid a tenner and turned up and went to this one session and it was uh I, I thought it was amazing because i didn't know any different i look back now it's fucking shit but i didn't know any different I, I really didn't know so i was just over the moon like oh my god i've been in a ring with real wrestlers i mean these guys were backyarders but to me not knowing any different yeah. i had done it i had got in a wrestler seeing a live wrestling ring setting up a live wrestling ring yeah. when you see one for the first time it always appears bigger than it really is okay. because you see it on tv and everything yeah. to see one live I'm 18 years old, and I was just like, all these thoughts going over my head, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, I'm like, and now me. <laughs> like, uh, They did a, like, a show like that night in front of something like, I don't know, 10 people. But yeah. as far as I was concerned, we were one step from the WWE. Do you know what I mean? I was yeah, yeah. just like, it was it was mad. They had like, they had title belts that were like old WWF replica belts, but I just looked at that belt and was like, I want to win that. <laughs> like, you know, I had Why no not? idea, man. 
Yeah. Exactly. Right. Because to me, it was that was like, you know, these guys are having real matches. Yeah. And I just trained with them two hours ago. And it was, you know, it's almost like magic to me. Mm. And uh, I think I did like two sessions. Then I figured out pretty quickly. I was like, oh, OK, these guys probably aren't quite quite what, I, what I'm looking for. The more wrestling I watched, the more I was kind of like, I need to pick my moment and mm. probably find something a little different. So I opted not to go back there. And then I found there was a company called Varsity Pro Wrestling. Um, when I was 21, so three years later, uh, they came to Exmouth, which is about 12 miles from Exeter, at a live show with Billy Gunn on it. And I spoke to the guy that ran the company at the time, this guy called the UK Kid. I spoke to him after the show and said, look, I really love to try wrestling. I've done a couple of training sessions before. Told him the name of the coach at the time and he laughed. And I was like, I was like, I don't understand it. He just started opening up, told me a few things. And I was like, okay, right. And I thought, now this guy... I read in like the um, uh, what they call it, like the manual that came with the show, yeah. like the program. Said he was trained by Shawn Michaels. Yes. Straight away, I was like, I was like, wait yeah. a minute, yeah. <laughs> you know. In my head, I was like, he was trained by Shawn Michaels. So if he trains me, I can say I was kind of trained by Shawn. I was an but idiot. Yeah. I was kind of trained by Shawn Michaels. More <laughs> honestly, but but that's like my mindset, right? So yeah. so. I was badgering this guy, emailing him constantly about opening the training school. And he was in Portsmouth, which again, may as well have been, you know, Australia, because I didn't know where Portsmouth was. I had no idea. I only knew Portsmouth because of the football team, but I didn't know where it was, you know. And uh, one day he was like, look, I'm opening the school, you know, in three weeks time. If you can get here, this is the cost. This is, you know, I was like, right, this is the guy who was trained by Shawn Michaels. This, this feels more realistic. So I sort of begged, borrowed and steal and found a way to get the... um, and I was able to get there for, I think I trained there for about eight months. I had three matches mm-hmm. in the end. So I met like Bob Holly. That was really cool. And like Dilo okay. Brown. It was insanely cool. Like really, it's like a really valuable learning experience when I was 21. But I I think I ran out of money or something. And I certainly, I burnt out very fast. And I was not, I don't think I was mature enough at the time at 21 to realize it was a lifestyle choice. Mm. And what I needed really was, not necessarily a better coach because he's very knowledgeable but I needed somebody a different kind of coach that could have said to me look stick with this thing like you've got something here you can do this you you just need to but I just don't think at the time I was ready to it wasn't the right I guess coaching for me it was good coaching Mm. I can't look back and say it was bad this guy's extremely knowledgeable and I still talk to him today he's a great guy he's not he's a bit of an asshole but he's but he's a good guy in in, in, in a sense I guess in his own way but um I just wasn't, it didn't fit me. And I knew, I was like, I can't do this wrestling. This this ain't going to work out for me. So after all those years of like wanting to wrestle, I left and I think six years went by, about six, seven years. And I started a job in an office um, when I was 27. And uh, I met on the first day in this office job. Everybody sat around and we got our little name tags. And and the, the guy taking the session just says, um, uh, you got to tell who you are, your hobbies, all this kind of business. He says, yeah. and uh, an interesting fact about yourself. Yeah. And so when it was my turn, I just said an interesting fact. I said, uh, I used to be a professional wrestler. And the, the whole the whole session stopped for like 20 minutes. Everybody was just asking me questions like, how do you do this? And what is this? <laughs> and and I, I've, not, like, I've not given wrestling a thought in like six years. Because right. I'd gone on and done different things in my life. I'd, I'd in my mind, grown up. Like that was a, a thing I did when I was 21. Yeah. I was being yeah. silly. I was never going to wrestle. That's like, you tried it. You were stupid. Don't be stupid. You grow out of that shit. But for 20 minutes, people were all asking me, and what about this? And what about this? And, and then for the following days and weeks, people would come up to me and say, hey, so uh, is it real? Like, what are you? And I was just like, I was like, I, it started making me think of wrestling again. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, 
because this many people like I was like wrestling's like I wasn't watching it at the time or anything. I mm. could tell you the, the, the heavyweight champion was or nothing. I knew what WWE was, but I didn't know who was on top. I had no idea. Mm. And uh, I was just like, are these guys really like? I was like, sounds a bit stupid. In my head, I was like, they still like wrestling. People's curiosity, I think, even if you're not for years and years, if, even if you're not a fan of wrestling, you know about it. And I think there's always these same questions that come up. Yeah. People are interested enough to ask and want to know more. So, yeah. And I think for me, it was, I still felt the need to defend it. It was mm. weird. Like, they'd say, like, oh, it's fake, is it? And I'd say, I said, what do you mean? And I'd be like, defensive straight away. And yeah. I'd tell myself, what are you doing? It's not your bag. There's someone else's yeah. problem. But, but then I would lay there at night and I'd be like, I'd be like, what? Oh, what if you just like tried a training session again? I was like, what if you just went back, you find a school, did one session, see what you thought. And I, uh, that went on for about a month in my head for about a month. I was like, what if you just, what if you, you did wrestle again? You're older, you're wiser, you're more mature, you're grown up. Like, like what if, and, and I got to a point where I was like, look, because I was going on about it every day in my head, every single day I was rolling over and thinking about it. I said, this is what you're going to do. You want to find the closest training school, whether it's good, shit whatever mm. find the closest school that, well, that you can find you're going to go to a training session and you're going to know pretty quickly either yeah it's something you did when you were 21 and you've grown out of it and it's yeah. stupid or you're going to go fuck i love it <laughs> i can't get enough yeah so i went back it's where i met my business partner gracian reeves mm. on the first night we're both quite competitive so i think that first night we just really blew each other up and we were doing mm. lots of like cardiovascular drills and some like ego stuff like on the ropes like trying to outdo each other we just absolutely battered each other and like i came away from it like i was it was like like a, a light bulb had gone off in my head like the great powerful was it pulled back the curtain and i was like oh, this is my calling like it was like cool. it was mental i just knew i just i was just like this is what you're gonna do cool. and uh i've been here seven years now so and there we go so so that brings us quite nicely then on to on to the next bit and and sort of reach wrestling as an entity, um, how you talk about where it started, obviously that initial meeting with, with Grayson Reeves, obviously set it, set it in motion, but where did you go from there? When did you make a decision that you wanted to, to put something together that was yours and, you know, see where it went? So, so we, I wrestled over the South of England um, for a few years, like started to build up my name a little bit and mm -hmm. get, you know, more on the circuit and everything like that became i would probably say quite respected for the way that i wrestle i don't think perhaps i ever quite got to the you know i certainly didn't get those doug williams heights there. <laughs> in my mind i was like that's where you're gonna get to it don't think yeah. it ever quite happened but but i think i was at least respected enough to be seen as someone that could what we call work or a good hand i guess someone that was you know at a certain level that you knew you were going to be okay you're gonna have a good night if, yeah. if you're against me on the card i guess it's probably how it i never got any grief from anybody i never got any um you know, nothing like that. And I felt like, okay, things are getting good. And I went on for a few years and I just, I, if I'm being, no lies is my, my, my rules. I don't ever lie. So, so sometimes I'll say things people don't want to hear, but it's the reality of the situation. Um, I looked around at what was around at the time and I just thought some of this stuff isn't very good. I was working for companies at the time that I just thought, yeah. I think this could be a lot better. Little touches. And I would often say to certain people, hey man, you ever thought about trying it like this? And, and I don't know everything. I just, mm appeared to know some stuff that apparently they didn't so i would look at things and say like maybe we why don't you ever consider this or perhaps some of this and often we fall on deaf ears and i think a lot of wrestling promoters i don't know if wrestling the years have gone by wrestling for me is not full of deeply insecure people it's what i thought when i first broke in because there was so much locker room bitchiness and yeah. a lot of it was like a playground yeah. grown-ass men grown-ass men acting like children 
And I, I would blow my mind. But as the years went by, I learned to surround yourself with the right people in the business. There's some real gems in our business. If you look at the, the guys and girls at Wrestle for Reach Wrestling, uh, we don't have a troublemaker in that locker room. There's not one. That's good. So if people ask you know, who, who the best wrestlers in the country are, I said, well, take a look at our roster because yeah. they're the ones that are the best inside the ring and out. And that's who we use is, you know, those that can do this job properly, mm. uh, correctly. And, and I started to realize over time, well, actually, if we, if I did something like this, you know, and I'd sort of weighed up my options. And at the time there was a promoter in Plymouth who was just kind of gone bust pretty much. Mm. Um, I had to bail him out a couple of times and, and I offered to buy his company off him. He's in a lot of debt. So I, offered him a pound i said I'll, I'll, I'll give you a pound so you can walk away with a one pound so mm. you know and i'll take all your debt on and i'll do everything to to mm. to fix it for you right and, and politely you can sort of piss off into the sunset and at least you can say you made a pound all right mm. so you made some money you can tell everybody you made profit in wrestling and <laughs> let your ego run wild or whatever you need to do but just i'll sort this out for you in the end he was like oh no no i couldn't sell you the company and i said to him, dude you, you're in some substantial debt here, which is hard to believe since it's an independent wrestling company. Who could you possibly owe money to? You know, any contracts to anybody? Yeah. But they said he owed loads of people money. And uh, in the end, I spoke to my friend Grayson, weeks and weeks on the phone, saying to him, man, we should buy this company, we should buy this company. And one day he said something to me, just as a passing comment, I bet he regrets it till this day. He said, <laughs> look, if anything, he said, if anything, we should start our own company. And I was like, another one of those, you know, mind-blowing yeah, light bulb right. moments, right? I was like, shit that's it and, and he's like anyway as i was saying i'm like no 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 hold on we should start our own company he's like no i'm a wrestler i'm not promoted i was stupid but 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 the for me the seed was sown yeah. i knew what had to be done and uh it took a little while but i got him in the end uh, convinced cool. him in the end and uh you know three and three and a half years later we're uh we're here now you know we, awesome. that company in the end did go bust in plymouth um no surprise obviously we just kind of took over where they left off really cool. um but but I think some of their guys try to try to say that we sort of work together and like we inherited them. It's not true. We're a complete separate company. Like okay. we, we started our own. We're on, you know, you can find us for a limited company with, you know, yeah. tax registered and everything. Like we're, we're not a two bit company full of like carnival folk. That's not what we are. We're trying so to run a proper organization. You, you, know? you can, you can actually say, yeah, you, you took it from the ground up. You know, you, yes. you didn't have to rely on anyone else to, to lay the foundations for you, which is which is no. amazing. Very, very cool. It is. And the thing is, the other thing is, it was our money. Mm. See, this is the thing sometimes when people try to tell you how to run your own company. It was our initial investment. And anybody that can say to me, oh, well, I do this, I do that. I always think, well, give me your fucking money. All right. <laughs> you give me your money and we'll, we'll put your money into this idea and see how much you like the idea then. Because right. people are very quick to say, oh, you should do more of this and less of this when it's yeah. not their money. Yeah. When it's your money that's making the thing making yeah. the thing come off the ground, it's a little bit different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. I think things like that are the kind of things people forget. You know, everyone's very quick to say, oh, I would have booked this and I'd have booked that. And I think, well, you ain't the one paying the bills. You ain't the one keeping <laughs> the lights on. So, you know. Very true. Very true. So when you first started out then, how, how soon, how long did it take to kind of get a, a, a team together, to get a roster together to have your first show, for example? So do you remember what that was, where it was, what happened? Yeah, yeah. But I told this story a few times on, on the podcast over the years. Now we um we ultimately I convinced him by hounding him, because I'm a pain in the ass, but I hounded him and just sort of said to him, Look, I said to him, all I'm saying is if we just write down, if it was up to me and you, if we just write down like a five-match card, who we'd want on, all right? Because of all the other companies in the area at the time. 
booked certain talent and certain talent didn't certain talent would get booked on a Saturday here, but not on a Sunday here because they're like that promoter, or they'd get booked on a Sunday, not the Saturday. Because and I just said, what if we had like an all-star kind of cast of the guys and girls around the area? Who would we book? And uh he says to me, Right, put the kettle on and I'll get a pen and paper and you know, we'll write this thing down. And I just knew I had him because I knew if he saw it on paper, he um, wouldn't be able to resist. Yeah. So we and that was probably the I did some work for 4FW in Swindon. And I think that was November time of 2017, I think it was. Uh, yeah, we started, yeah, 17. And then we we went, we had a trip book to America, what's Royal Rumble in January, 2018. Okay. Cool. And we um, we managed to get everything done just before that. So we had a card set and everything. And, you know, we'd contacted people um, from the page uh, and sort of put out enough feelers so that we knew wrestlers would contact us. So, so it made it easier for us to, to get all of the guys we wanted by basically kind of just posting stuff. And wrestlers, yeah. will, wrestlers are pretty quick to jump in your inbox when they think there's a <laughs> bit of money going. So I don't, you know, it's, that's what a self-employed person does, which I understand. Yeah. So we just knew, because we're wrestlers too. So we knew how it worked. So mm -hmm. we knew that as soon as we started putting feelers out that new company was about, we'd get an import. And luckily, we nine out of 10 guys and girls that we wanted Sort of, I think we had to contact maybe one or two tops okay. to say, listen, the truth is like behind closed doors, because we wanted to keep it quiet, right? Yeah. We were like, look, we're the guys that are running the show, don't tell anybody, just uh, you know, or we get their email addresses from their Twitters and contact them and yeah. um still trying to keep it quiet, right? But we we had our first show July 18, uh, but we were ready to go probably March, April. We were like, okay, we're ready, let's do it. And then we were like, no, we've booked July. That, but we were diligent. I mean, like, again, people say things like, oh, you guys got lucky. Do you know how hard we worked? <laughs> we, yeah. we used to have to leave our phone on loud, right? right? We would leave our phone on loud. And the agreement was, if we call, we must answer, no matter what, because it could be something business related. Yeah. So when we first set the business up, we were so conscious that we didn't know what we were doing. We'd call each other three o'clock in the morning. You know, the phone would be vibrating. I'd, oh, oh, no. Hello? Like oh, come on, it's quite I can't sleep, you know what I mean? And yeah. like that's how it was for about six months, the first six months yeah. of running the company. And uh we were just diligent. We were just two guys that love pro wrestling right. and uh and just worked our asses off to to really bring something that we wanted to be proud of it. Yeah. We wanted to be proud and say this is our version of professional wrestling, this is what we believe it should be, and yeah. you know, here we are, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's um since I've been following quite a few, you know, in uh, British indie promotions, I'm, I've been amazed at how many are still popping up and, you know, some are doing some fantastic things. And it's great to have something so established, I feel, down this neck of the woods. Um, because one of the one of the reasons, I guess, that I it's been so long in between me going to see shows down there is that I didn't really realise what was going on because it all went a bit quiet. And, you know, once I started looking, I didn't have to look very hard. Um, so you guys, you're based, is it Plymouth or Exeter? You're Plymouth. 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 So, so you're, you've broken ground over in Cornwall as well. Is it sort of mainly, mainly Devon and Cornwall that you sort of hold your shows or have you gone any further? Yes. Further so at the moment, our regular shows are Plymouth, Exeter, Tavistock. And we used to have Bobbin, uh, but Bobbin Jail closed down for some refurbishment work. Oh, so now it's, um, it's a shame, man. It was a great venue. Okay. Fantastic venue. Crowd were up above you and all around you, just on you, and, and the the sound stayed in the venue. It was a fucking amazing, man. But uh, um, we just put St Austell the Key Theatre in St Austell, which is a lovely venue. Um, so we're now November thirteenth will be our first show in St Austell. We're going to um, we're gonna 
were so Devon Devon is primarily where we run. So we've got Plymouth Exeter and Tavistock. And we looked at going to like the Torbay area, Torquay, Newton Abbott, that kind of thing. We maybe still will. I know there's another company called CSF. Uh, they seem to be good people. I've only ever heard good things about those guys. I think they're in Paynton, somewhere like that. So I think they're going to use a few of our guys too. So to me, it doesn't matter to me if, if they've been running, I think someone said 20 years and they've got a good reputation. So it doesn't bother me. If the wrestling's good, I'm happy. Yeah. Because my thing is always that if somebody comes to a wrestling show, and it's not branded very well, and they just see wrestling, and the wrestling show is shit or unprofessional. Mm. What happens then is they switch off and say, I'm not watching that wrestling. And then when we come to town and say, oh, we're bringing a show in, they say, oh, I've seen that wrestling. It's crap. Then I have to say, well, no, you haven't seen our wrestling. And it's very hard to pull somebody back. And I think the CSF guys are are really good. They book a lot of good talent. So I know they're in the Devon area, but I think we've got another company, Cornish Pro Wrestling, down Mm. in Cornwall. Um, But other than those two... Yeah, I think it's just us, really. Mm-hmm. We, um, Tavistock, Exeter, and Plymouth, are the three we run, and and St. Austell. I'm just yeah. trying to think where else we're looking to go. Taunton, we've looked at Taunton, yeah. which is 30 miles up the road from Exeter, yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think is in Somerset. So we've yeah. considered that. We've got a venue we're looking at in over in Dorset, but again, we're friends with the guys at UPW. Ultimate pro wrestling, so we wouldn't go yeah. sort of well, we wouldn't go to Weymouth and places like that where they run no. because it's just I think you build a good working relationship with people over the years that you can trust that you know are honest that you know put on good wrestling shows and then they're making the business stronger than being yeah. there. But I think it's important to have, um, they're not even really competition, it's more just having people that you can turn to, yeah, and say, listen, you're running Dorset and we're running Devon, and, and those guys are running Cornwall. If you get an XWV guy, suddenly gets his release and comes over, well, if they run the Friday, we run the Saturday, and they run the Sunday, what stops that guy getting three bookings and us all getting a WV right. guy? Yeah, Do you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But if you can work together in that fashion, you, if you look at it like that, it's it's, it's good business for yeah. everybody. And fans get the chance to see these guys three times then. Yeah, that's cool. No, I, I, I can fully understand that. It's, it's UPW, is that used to be or have anything to do with what was big league wrestling yeah so my understanding with those guys so i knew lewis and mark i know well and uh, he's a good guy those two did like a like a war right so so they've done a war and from my understanding the way i I mean i i know i worked for upw for years but i've not been there since starting reach really or a couple of times but not, not in years but my understanding is that upw i think won the war which was good for the fans from what yeah. the fans have told me it was really good because I think both brands were strong. Mm. And I think that ultimately, I think everybody expected Big League to win. But when UPW won, it's kind of a nice swerve, right? So yeah. now, if I understand it right, UPW have got like the Big League title on their shows. Yes. And, and they've yeah. kind of taken on like the, the history of the Big League. I guess they got the tag titles and things like that. Okay. But I think it was a good, I think it was done well. Because yeah. I think it ended Big League the right way. I don't think Big League, from what I understand came out of it looking bad which is right and yeah. i think upw came out of it looking stronger mm. so i Everyone think it was done well yeah. to be honest it, it, it kind of like you know when wcw came to WWE. yeah everybody shits on that thing they did depending whether you think it was good or better i think the difference was i'm, I'm not comparing the scales but mm. at least at this level it was done right i think exactly. is what i would probably say I, you know I've, is- I've got another two or three hours show up my sleeve about the invasion and what went wrong because I'm very, oh, cool. very passionate about that. <laughs> so, that yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I, was, I thought that because I, I remember when Big League popped up, you know, it's around about the time I think that 
I saw um, Perez and Pride. And they, all these, all these top guys, all these ex WWE guys were coming down this way, and they mm-hmm. had um, Alberto Del Rio and Mr. Yes. Kennedy and MVP, and that I was like, whoa, you know. I'm in Newton Abbott, so going up to Yeovil, where they were based, I think at the time, isn't all that uh, much of a trip, you know. No, so, um, but uh, yeah, so there you go, uh, Newton Abbott. So you know, if you are ever up this way, or if you're ever thinking about coming up this way, yeah, for sure, we consider Newton Abbott. Yeah, I, I would run it in Abbott for sure. Yeah, yeah 100%, 100%. I would run it in a show in Abbott. So one thing I, I love about you guys as well is is you grow your own talent as well. In a way, you've got the yes. your, your Reach Academy. Um, yep. t- tell us about that and tell us about some of the guys that have sort of gone through or that are there now that are, are looking to be, you know, sort of big stars in the future in your eyes. So one of the things for us that we knew had to be done was you needed to bring through new talent. So the Southwest in general, when I first broke in, the feeling was you got to go north. If you don't go north, you, you, you can't make it in this country. You can't make good money out of wrestling if you don't go north. I heard if I had a pound for every fucking time, I was told I had to go north. I'm from the south. I lived in Exeter and I've moved to Plymouth even further south. And I love the south. I love it here. It's my favorite part of the country. You know, they talk funny in the north and I don't <laughs> want to go up there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But like, uh, I don't want to go up there unless I really have to, right? Yeah. Like, it's nothing against them. It's just such a long fucking way. It's yeah. a long, long, long ass way to go when you live in Exeter or you live in Plymouth. So my mind was always, why, why can't we have it here? So the first thing you had to look at was talent. Yeah. You had to say to yourself, is the talent here? Is there enough talent? Is the quality of talent good enough mm. so that we can compete with anybody in the country or build something here? Because yeah. yes, there was Pride and there was DWA and there was LEP, but none of these companies, Pride did well, but then the ass fell out. So we needed to, big league, same thing, the ass fell out that too. Mm. So you needed something sustainable. And I yeah. was like, okay, well, the only way you will have something sustainable is if you find, if there are any stars, in, real stars in this part of the country, then what you need is to bring through tomorrow's stars mm-hmm. to hang with these stars eventually. Yeah. So when these guys move on, we got new ones. Yeah. That's to me is common sense, right? And yeah. I got no business degree. That, that to me is common sense. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and and so we looked, and you've got. I mean, let's start with the guys. You know, um, Joe Redmond is around the corner, and he's probably the most knowledgeable wrestler in the country. Mm-hmm. Joe Redmond's just had a match with Doug Williams, and I think the right choice. Joe, you know, won the match, and I think it was kind of a passion of the torch to say that. Yeah. Doug was the man, but the man now is the man that beat Doug. Yeah. He's the man in this country. And I'd yeah. debate it with anybody. I'd debate with anybody, you know, in British wrestling. If Joe Rubin's not the man, then show me who is. Like, yeah. and that's coming from me. I'm telling you, I want to, I'm <laughs> the man. I don't the bollocks. I'm no Joe Rubin. No one's a Joe Rubin. There's one Joe Rubin. He is you good. know, there's only yeah. one of him. You know, you saw him, right? I so did. You know. Yeah, it was, it was, it, I, I've used the term when I posted about Masterclass, it really was, it was a fantastic yes. match to watch. And, and you're right, yeah, I felt perfect ending with it, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great contest, right? And so Joe, you got Joe Redman, then I looked a little further, PJ Jones, who's one of the most unsung guys we got, Josh Knott, country big, Josh Knott just needed that extra push, right? Which we were one of the first companies to give him, to, to really put the spotlight on him and say, have you seen this guy? Yeah. Um, Grayson Reeves is my buddy and I tell him all the time he can main event shows but he just doesn't put himself out there not at all yeah. but if you ever watch one of his matches he's spawn mm. never put a foot wrong no. never put a foot wrong and yet no one sings his praises because he don't sing his own praises yeah. in our business you got to hype yourself on the Twitters and Instagram and all that shit and you don't do it so mm-hmm. I was like well okay I was like he's there so that's three guys it was the same you got uh, it was at the time called Dick Riley it was Nick Riley now it's another one Charlie Sterling was just up the road Brendan White and Bino 
we're in Wales, Dragon Pro, and I was like, a couple of hours at rope. You know, two hours, two, two and a half hours at rope. Mm. Jason King, that's me. I was here, and I was like, well, I know I'm pretty good at this job. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we, that's six or seven of us, right? And I'm thinking, and there's others that, you know, I, but I was like, well, that's six or seven guys. Straight away, I was like, okay, we can probably bring in, or Eddie Ryan, this guy, he's going to fucking have a go at me for that. We'll fall out over there. He, um, you have Eddie Ryan. You know, he's he's right here on our doorstep. Yeah. Living in Plymouth, where we were based. Yeah. That's eight guys. And I'm just like, I'm like, uh, I'm like, okay, well, that, that's eight people. We can, you know, rotate and bring in a few others, but that's mm. eight to start with right away. That mm. I know can do this job. And I know with the right, with the right sort of push and the right sort of advertisement, can can really really make something here yeah. we just never put more together you know what i mean different companies might book two or three of them would, but never yeah. you know and so then we started a training school and i think for the first year nobody really was ready we we were only training once a week at the time but then we got a full-time unit and we were set up so that we could um we set up so that we could uh, train three, four, five times a week. So right. at one point we're doing seven days a week. Right. I think we're open now for we're open six days a week at the moment. Right. Um, most people train three, four times a week, and uh, and we knew we needed to bring through new stars, and we needed to bring through when I say plus the others we bring in the last yeah. codes of the world and, and and those kind of guys that you know we bring in externally, you know, and on the occasion you know Jody Fleish, mm -hmm. Doug Williams, all these guys that you bring in. Um, uh, key and the fox if i start yeah. naming them I'll, I'll be here all night but all these <laughs> all these sort of guys and girls that we bring in to work with our guys we started to realize well we need to make our guys good enough yeah they need to be a certain standard to appear on our shows what we didn't do was ever let one of them off and go oh go on we just put you on because we trained you we were like okay that's the standard we're all keeping hmm. and we told them many times go around the country look at other shows see hmm. what else is out there yeah. and come back home because I knew they would. <laughs> so, like, so we would say, some of it is really good out there, some yeah. of it's not so good, but go and see what else is out there. Yeah. And you'll see the standard that different companies keep. It's different companies got different standards for, for a thousand different reasons. Um, but this is our standard and it will never ever slip, ever. And so when we started putting our guys and girls on shows, the realization was you need to hang here now. You're being given the opportunity, which is why the feedback can be harsh if they if they don't quite cut it. Yeah. But it's done in a way that's um, positive criticism. Yeah, it's done to say, okay, well, this wasn't or that wasn't, and then we'll get back to class and we'll work on it. So the second time around, it's better than it was the first time. Yeah. So that when we leave our mark as Reach Wrestling, in the name of the Reach Academy, those that come through, and I tell them every single time I'm teaching, I tell them every single time, your job is to be better than me. Your job is better than Grayson, Eddie Ryan. Be mm. better than us because you need to be what's next we might have been the starting point or, yeah. or the next level up when when wrestling in this country started to get a little better because of reach you are the next level so you need to develop further again mm. so we push them harder than perhaps we were pushed or are more maybe critical than, than our coaches were of us you had a guy called joey seven um you would have seen him in the main event yeah. of tavistock yeah he's been in the business 18 months and he had a main event like that jesus christ wow. like you know, people think he's like a 10-year pro. I, I In, completely thought that, actually. So. There you go. Wow. 18 months, maybe two years tops he's been in the business. Wow. Um, and But he's a guy that, again, he's got a great look, but mm. that'll only get you so far because you come in with a load of muscles, don't do nothing for me. I need to see a little more than that. And, and his attitude mm. and his work ethic and his passion, his desire to get better, 
his desire to constantly get better was there. And he would outwork everybody else. And he would just say, okay, if they're doing three reps, I'll do four. If they were doing five reps, I'll do And it was always, he'd be the first guy when, it, when cleanup was happening. Right. A story I told him once, the reason he was our first academy champion. I told him, I said, you know the reason why you were the champion? He, he said, no. I said, it's got nothing to do with how you look. He looks fantastic. Mm. Great tan, bright white smile, you know, ex, uh, you know, professional rugby player. But yeah. none of that really mattered that much. If, if, if behind closed doors he was an asshole, yeah. I would have been like, well, no, you're no good, but he's a good guy. At a show one time, I was running around like headless chicken, and I sat down and I was like, whoo, head of arms, like, what a tough day. And I looked up, and he's like sweeping the floor. Right. He's like sweeping up all the crap. No one had told him to do it. No one had, you know, people were stood around talking. He had the initiative to be like, okay, well, let's get this clean. Yeah. It might sound like a little thing, but that reliability, that moment for me was like, Okay, this guy really gets it. Yeah. He's an ex, you know, rugby professional. He could have came in with the attitude of, uh, "Oh, listen, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, proper yeah. sportsman. This is, this is beneath me." Exactly. Couldn't he? Complete opposite. The complete opposite. Awesome. That day, I went back to my, you know, buddy Grayson. I said, "We need an academy championship." That, that Jay, Joey Seven, he, he needs to win that belt. And he's like, "Oh, so you think he's good?" I was like, There's "Something about him I like." Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, he was the first guy to come through. And you look at him now. I mean. He works all the camp shows that we do. He wrestles around the south of England. Yeah. Very reliable. Um, I'm wrestling at main event for the Cornish title. I see that. Uh, yeah. Next month, you know, he's uh, he's reliable as anybody. that you, you, You've got another person. He's one of those special talents that just picked yeah. it up. Uh, but he didn't just pick it up in the ring. He picked it up outside of it. So he ticked a lot of boxes. That's cool. Uh, that's cool. That's yeah, that's, very cool. Like, like you said at the top, that you haven't got any, you know, troublemakers in there. You know, you need you need someone like that, I would imagine, as a bit of a cornerstone, don't you? Absolutely. Because we've had troublemakers, but we just manage them out the school. There's yeah. no there's no there's no um there's no dispute. <laughs> there's no. no there's no place that we've had guys. You don't, you don't need to tolerate had, it, do you? Yeah, and we don't, and we won't. Because at the end of the day, why would you? Mm. we won't let one bad apple spoil a bunch no you know what i mean everybody's got imperfections me you everybody all mm. of us nobody's perfect perfect doesn't really exist it's a word we use but don't really exist in anything but if you're chasing that perfection you spend your whole life running around in a bleeding hamster wheel but if you can be the best you that you can be fine that's what i'm looking for yeah. is the most effort the most energy that you can give to to that training session that match that moment and that's what we try to bring out of people is mm. what is the best you you can give me in that moment in that day in that session in that sequence in the ring, in that moment, in that promo. And I think our job is to bring it out of people. Mm. And Joey Seven was like, another one's L.A. Taylor. If you see L.A. Taylor, I mean, she, ugh, man, you want to talk star quality. I met a lot, you know, at L.A. down in Cornwall some years ago. I took a seminar down there and for another company. And uh, she was, I don't think she'd mind me saying, maybe she will, tough shit. She was not in ring shape, not at all. Mm. She was not. And she did not have that presence she's got now she was just someone that 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 just was like i just want to be a wrestler really kind of kind of like yeah i just really would like to try it you see her now shit like gee there's no bigger she, star in women's she, wrestling in she, this country. she did own the place i must admit as soon as she came mate there, so. you ain't arguing with her you know what i mean you're like when she's pacing up and down backstage everyone's like get out of her way like even i'm like okay don't look at her <laughs> like she's in her moment man you're like let go let go yeah. Because the thing is, when you get like special talent, sometimes you just got to let them have that moment. You just got to let them go a little bit and say, okay, yeah. just let them do their thing. Because then she creates magic in front of the camera, in front of the punters. And you're like, well, that's you got to let them go. Yeah. Um, our, our champion now, Jordan Sparks, he's a young man that came in. He was skinny, 
pale. He had a shitty haircut the day he came in. There was a silly NWO t-shirt on. He took a bump one time in the ring, and I said, have you done this before? And he was like, I just really love wrestling. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm a super fan, right? Uh, Look at him now. Yeah. You know, he um, there's another one. Just sponge for feedback. Just a constant yeah. sponge. Always asking how to improve. Sends me voice messages. I'm thinking in our next match, why don't we do this? Lays out an entire match to me. Just in a voice message. No, actually, let's do this. I'm thinking maybe we'll put that in there. And I'm like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Here's another guy. Been training a year, just over yeah. a year, you know. Um, Echo Reed, who, who wrestled Ellie Taylor. Um, yeah. um, you know, there's a girl that was dead quiet on day one. Didn't say booty goose. Just super quiet, super shy. You see her two years later. She's known, right? If we're doing the ring one day, if we're changing the rings over, we've got two wrestling rings. Right. If we're changing the rings over, she's like five foot four, right? And probably weighs about nine stone. If we're doing ring day and you're being lazy, it's not me that's going to tell you off. It's not Grayson Reeves. It's not Joey Seven or the biggest guy in the locker room, Victor Brady or Jacob Kittle. It's her. She's going to march up to you. I'm getting goosebumps. Like, because I've seen it so many times. She march up to you, call you names I won't repeat on this podcast. Grown ass men are jumping. Like, ah! <laughs> sweeping the floor, picking up a bar. You just see these people. Um, uh, Aurora. I think she's a natural performer. She's someone yeah. that struggled with confidence in the ring to start with. God, you look at her now. We just take the uh, unit 10 for our YouTube. Mm -hmm. You wait till you see that tag team main event. Um, Joe, um, Jordan Sparks and Aurora versus Joe Costa and Ruby. You just won't believe, okay. you won't believe your eyes. Cool. You won't believe your eyes. Then these four have been in the business a combined time between them less than five years. You won't believe your eyes. And it just, it's magic to me to see it. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm like a proud dad. I'm like a proud father. <laughs> and you can tell. Uh, and you can tell. Yeah. This is brilliant. You know, it's, it's, I mean, I think you, there's this misconception with, um, I, I think, coming from, you know, the Mr. McMahon character, you can have a guy who runs a company who's involved in it himself. He's always going to do something to put himself up there. And you don't get that really. I, I wasn't sure when I, when I came along, sort of what your role was in that respect. Um, mm. But you, you, you're quite clearly, you know, yes, you're out there to entertain, but you're you're not stifling everyone else. You know, you're, you're giving everyone else the chance to grow, which uh, is brilliant. No. If I, do you know something? Um, I, like, I think you're right, misconception is probably the right word, because often I think people will say things like, oh, uh, you know, perhaps, or he's on top because of this, or, or, or he is because... If you could find one person, even one, that could speak up and say, oh, Jason, yeah, stole this spot from me, put me down, didn't give me, I just, I'd be, I'd love to hear it. I'd, yeah. I'd love to be on a podcast with them and say, you know, tell me what I did. Did I stunt your growth? Did I, because it just don't exist. No. It's not, it's not productive. And again, if we're breaking this down, putting somebody else down that we've trained, that we've taught, we've tried to build up, who does that actually help? And if anybody truly believes in their heart that my ego is that fragile, that, that somebody pays us a load of not just money but time effort and energy to come to our school to be a better professional wrestler and we just go in and bury them <laughs> to make ourselves feel big yeah. then then you come on like i think that person needs to look in the mirror and ask themselves, <laughs> but when it, how are you coming up with that stuff because our goal is to bring through the joey yeah. sevens the la taylors the auroras echo reeds jordan sparks joe costa um, Carl Parker, Toby Valentine, the, the, you know, these people, David uh, Lucky, the, these are the people that are trying to come through now, Victor Brady, there's so many of us. I could go on for hours about these guys and girls because their passion is real. Yeah. We have hard nights. 
We have hard times at trading sometimes where things go wrong and I lose my temper and I set everybody down, you know, and I'm having one of those like almost like father kid pep yeah. talks, you know, and I'm looking around the room kind of saying, do you really want this? Because I'm not wasting any more of my time. And, and it's like, there's an energy. But yeah. if you speak to maybe more of guys in school or energy that we have that makes what we do very special because, because everybody very quickly gets on the same page and understands the bigger picture. We have a locker room full of students that I don't have to police anymore. It's at a point now we've got locker room leaders. Victor Brady, Joey Seven, Ellie Taylor. If, you, if you're messing around, Echo yeah. Reed, yeah. if you're messing around, you don't have to answer to me anymore. You answer them. <laughs> and and if, if you don't fit in, or if you're not falling in line with what the company objective is, essentially, mm. you'll be managed out and it won't be me that has to do it. And it's right. not to say that it's not done through bullying. It's not done through hazing. We don't, I don't like that stuff. We don't do that stuff. Yeah. We don't haze people. We don't bully people. We simply set out. These are objectives. You can expectations, either. Expectations, yeah. Expectations, my friend. You're spot on. And, and at the end of the day, we, we cater to all different types of people. Mm. All different kinds. People that come in with no athletic experience, no wrestling experience, just saw a poster in the door they liked the color of and came in. From people that, that have trained before for years, couldn't quite get what they were looking for. Mm. We take in people that, from we get students from all around the world, yeah. students from New Zealand, students from Hong Kong, students from Canada, students from all around the United Kingdom. Mm. And it's male, female, it didn't matter, doesn't matter. There's no judgment, nobody cares. Yeah. It's just one goal is to make you a more competent and prof, uh, a more professional wrestler, yeah. is the objective. And I think success, if I'm going to uh, break my arm, pat myself on the back, but it's not just me, it's a team of people, but the success at mm. this stage, at this level, speaks for itself. You can cut that bit you've just done there, wrap it up. You've got a hell of an advert there for Reach Wrestling and the Reach Academy. That's very kind. I don't think you need to say anything more. So but, uh, <laughs> um, just before I start wrapping it up, because unfortunately, you know, I do need to start wrapping it up in a minute. But um, I've got a, I've got a few questions that I like to pelt at my guests. And there's one in particular, which has become my real favourite, because not only do I get to see people squirm on the spot, um it it helps sort of for me to to tap into your inner fan yeah. everyone everyone in their minds they will argue about who is who should be on the wrestling mount rushmore who oh, would yeah. be on who would be on yours you know this doesn't have to necessarily be who's most important to the to the industry or whatever but who to you if you could make your own mount rushmore of wrestling <laughs> oh man well uh... I should have sent this over ahead of time to make you aware, but I quite like the I like the inner turmoil that goes on. It's so hard. Do you know it's hard because you oh god. You, you could like um oh god, what a question. I should have known something like that was coming. Like you, <laughs> uh, it's so many like this. So you could look at like you could say like, well, you got to look at the best world champions, but or not even the best world champions, but but those that drew the big big money in their time. So George Wagner, gorgeous George, you know, you could put on there, and then Bruno San Martino mm -hmm. for selling out the Garden hundred odd times. And then you'd have to put in like Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, right? Mm -hmm. But then you could say, but okay, that's those four, but but how do you leave out Ric Flair, the greatest world champion of all time? Mm -hmm. And you and as much as people don't like him, you can't leave out John Cena's success. In WWE, he kept WWE relevant at a time when there wasn't a lot of relevance. So how can you ignore his success? You know, and then of course, you've got to go down the route of the NWA guys. You, you've got to say, well, can you leave out Lou Fez and Harley Race? And one's an eight-time world champion, Brian Ganya, an ex-Olympian, he won ten world titles. Can you leave him out? And then you you say that how can you leave the Rock out? You can't leave the Rock out. The Attitude Era 
is the most successful, you know, financially successful period of time wrestling's had, then mm. surely it has to be The Undertaker, Rock, Austin, and Triple H if they're the top four of that era. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so I don't. The answer is I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, um, I think I think that explanation is worth it anyway. I yeah. think that's brilliant. You couldn't have done better than that in a sense. Yeah. But no, that's fair enough. You're the first guy to actually turn around and say, "I ain't got a clue." So who do you, who, who do you say? What's what's your fault? And this is what I said to to one of my guests the other night. Cruelly enough, I will send this out this question, but I I would have just as hard the time. I think yeah. for me, you know, in the in the era I grew up with, and, and what's most important to me. Um, Brett Archer, Michaels, they were the guys that I idolised as a kid. Um, Steve Austin, I guess, for turning, even though I kind of dipped out at the end of the Attitude Era, you you can't help but notice how he turned around when WCW were trampling all over him. Yes. You know, he, he sort of turned the business in another direction. I, I guess I would have to have Hulk Hogan up there because of not necessarily the 80s and that, yes, it became wrestling became a whole new entity within there. I think the NWO bit. Yeah, the longevity. Those, those couple of years, you know, Hulk Hogan and Steve Austin over those those few years, I think both just yeah. turned the direction yeah. of it. So you know, for me, that's just during my sort of lifetime. And, Not and about that. four, yeah. yeah. So you, you brought to another point there because, like you say, Brad and Shawn Michaels. In theory, if we talk about like in ring work, mm. you got Shawn Michaels, Brad, Eddie Guerrero, Kurt Angle. Yeah. <laughs> You pick those four, right? So that is a question I think that could go on for. I don't I know could. if it's ever got an. You know what I mean? Think, I don't think. Yeah. I just I love sitting back in some of these Facebook groups that I I used to be in, and people would just debate it <clears throat> all along yeah. as if it was an absolute. And I was just sat there thinking, well, everyone's just got their opinion, you know. I, and I'm intrigued. So thank you for that. That's amazing. Listen, for the last couple of minutes, do tell everyone firstly where they can find out more about Reach Wrestling. Um, where they can see you, the shows you got coming up, where you are on social media, just plug away. For sure. So we reach wrestling. If you look us up, you'll find us on Google. Um, we'll come up. You, first search is us. We um, we're based in Plymouth, uh, Mary Seacole Road. We've got a training facility, the Reach Academy. Um, it's in Plymouth, and and I would say to anybody that listens to this, if you're a wrestling fan, believe me, please. Uh, my rule number one as a grown ass man is no lies uh, I will not lie to you now and just change that for a podcast you really do not know what you can achieve unless you try and wrestling brings out of you something that maybe you didn't even know you got in there that's my job it's my colleagues it's our job to bring out something inside you that perhaps you don't know is there give wrestling a try even if you only try one time give it a try and see what you can achieve you probably blow your mind with what you can achieve if you try Wrestling is hard. It is hard work. But the you that walks in on day one is not the you in three months' time, six months' time, 12 months' time. It's a commitment. But the camaraderie you build with the people in that school, the if you're the kind of person that sits at home day in, day out, does nothing, it's got nothing ready to live for, and you're going through a tough time, believe me, you're going to meet like-minded people that have found something special in a special place where they're around a family of people that will support you moment, day in, day out every moment and just what we do because that's what family does we create something special and it's not just my work and Grayson's work it's everybody's work I'd say come down give it a try the worst you're going to do is spend what does it cost for an open day 20 quid the worst you're going to do is spend, spend 20 quid one time 
right? That's what you'd spend on Domino's pizza anyway. It's overpriced Domino's pizza. Come down, try a little bit of exercise. If you really, really don't like it, go buy the pizza and drown your sorrow. You know what I mean? What's the worst you can do? You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on the Patreon. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Reach Academy and Reach Wrestling. All right? We're free on YouTube. Look on YouTube. Type in Reach Wrestling. You'll see Unit 10. The shows are free. They're not costing you any money. You can see all that we're about. You can boo my tanned ass and be like, you know, this jackass. You can cheer Joey Seven and watch the girls if that's what you're into or the guys, whatever you like, man. Like, but ask yourself, what are they doing that you couldn't do? What stops you doing it? What stops you dropping a message on the Reach Academy page, even if you're nervous and just saying, look, I just want to know if it's something I can do. Just try it. Just give it one go. What's, what's the worst going to happen? We've got upcoming shows in St. Austell, November 13th. That's our debut down in St. Austell. December 5th, we return to Plymouth. We've got the big show, the Plymouth Guild Hall, on February 26th. That is uh, the Guild Hall show. It's our debut in, in, the, in the Plymouth uh, Guild Hall. Very, very excited for that one. Yeah. It's got to be a real big one. 500-seater. That one That's at good. this time of the podcast, I think we sold something like 43% of tickets. So we're nearly halfway already. Awesome. That's a real serious advertising. So bring yourself along. Come see what we do. You know, boo me if you think I'm a jackass or cheat <laughs> me if you like that. I don't, I don't care. But come along, get involved, uh, surprise yourself. Uh, believe me, it's coming from experience. I bet I could probably pull something out of you that maybe you didn't know was in there. And all you got to do is take the first step. Drop us a message, retweet us, and whatever you need to do. We'll be on the other end of the phone. You know, just drop us a line. See what you can there do. There you go. Thank you very much. And implore anyone listening to this. Again, just to echo, you know, get onto get onto YouTube, check these guys out, get down to a show. I can say from first hand experience, it's an amazing night. So, Jason King, thank you so much for your time, sir. This has been an absolute pleasure. So, um, hopefully, I will see you in person again very soon. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.